0: On Thursday, we talked about making things easier, making things clearer, making things as clear as possible so that we can see the truth and the efficacy of the practice that is being suggested. Because if we don't work it, it's not going to work. We've got to work. That's why they call it a practice. So the first thing I want to make sure that everyone knows and believes is that there is no happiness or sadness inherent to reality or nature. Is there anyone who has argument with that, okay, so everyone knows that there is nothing out there that will give you happiness there is nothing out there that momentarily will give you happiness or sorrow. <laughs> <laughs> the reason I say that, and the reason that the mystics say that, is because out here is all imputed by what's in here. Right? All right, so. I mean, for instance, we have the evidence in politics that a certain percentage likes something and a certain percentage doesn't like something. Both groups are speaking of the same thing they're looking at the same thing and they're saying, I don't like this. The other group is saying, I support this. I think they're right. I don't like this. When we look at all of our choices and rejections, there are people who like what we reject and there are people who reject what we like, looking at the same thing. If I'm looking at the same thing, and two or three people are coming up with something different, then it's not the thing that is imputing the definition of the thing. It is the mind of the individual that is imputing the definition. I like this. I don't like this. I think this is a good idea. I don't think it's a good idea.
1: I just sorry. No, I I grasp what you're saying. I, I I hope. Okay. Mind can change on a quicker than that.
0: And it does, doesn't it?
1: Yes. No disrespect.
0: None at all. What we what we thought was good when we were twenty, we don't think is good now. <laughs> we're the same people. Well no, we're different. But the thing is the same thing. The object of definition of worthiness is the same thing. And we can see not only is it judged differently by different groups and different people, but it's also judged differently by yourself, depending upon what time you're having that love fest or that hate fest. Especially cats. <laughs> uh, I, we've, got, we've got three of them, and sometimes you can scratch them and they love it, and sometimes you can scratch them and they don't like it, and they will scratch you back. Yeah. yeah. OK. if we agree with that, if we, if we see the worthiness in that view based on the examples that I've given and that other mystics give, or that mystics give I won't put that other thing because then that means I'm implying I'm a mystic and I'm not a mystic. Um, why is it What is the danger, according to this practice, in holding on to any object in reality or in nature? Okay, say it. Impermanence, yeah. That was Don. He said impermanence. (laughs) That's good, that's good. That's good, yeah. So does everyone here believe that everything in objective reality is impermanent? Yes? Okay. So has everyone started to loosen their grip on what they're holding on tight to? Okay. Because this is the this is the progression. We, we don't do anything without thinking it's smart, wise, uh, beneficial. And so I'm trying to break this down so that we can actually see why we're doing it. It's not just because someone's sitting in a chair up front and saying, I think you should view things this way. Now, I want you to see the efficacy of viewing things this way, why this is structured why the practice is structured the way it is, and why it promises us that we can liberate ourselves from suffering. Because, if you know, in other words, it doesn't matter how long you sit here and listen, if you go home and you cannot free yourself from your propensity to suffer, this is not working for you. Yes, yes, John.
2: Um, part of our practice has been working on putting our attention or my attention on something pleasant. And I've been working at it for, uh, I guess, about three weeks now. And my, I go to something worldly that's pleasant, and then I have some, well, that's temporary, and that's going to come to an end. And trying to create enough Time and relaxedness for it to settle into, I, 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 I'm going to use the word more pleasant, uh, without the mind going somewhere else and saying that's just temporary and that too will pass. Even though it was one, I have moments that were quite enjoyable and pleasant. Um, and then I, the other question was the this, I, I had dreaming and I had like an un unworldly, pleasant experience, and that too, of course, that that passed very quickly. but it was beyond anything that I had experienced up until that moment, uh, wh- where I wasn't trying for it to occur, and it. Happened so I'm st- still working on bringing my awareness to pleasant and having that more and more create the conditions of relaxedness and a, 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 a non a non like a non doing so decreasing the interactivity whether it's a thought or emotion or or, or doing this as well as dealing with some level of fear of complete non-doing uh, or absence who doesn't pertain much to functioning in my life or in a, in a life. OK. I,
0: I think I understand. Um, the first thing is to, to set up the sequence. Why am I doing this in the first place? I'm doing this because I suffer, and I don't want to suffer. That's, that's why I'm doing this, right? And so we have this process that says when you cling to things that you're not accepting them for what they are, then you're going to suffer. Okay. So the first thing is if I if I'm not suffering, if I'm okay, if I'm happy, if I'm peaceful, if I'm content, then you don't need to practice. You know, this is this is this is for curing. This is an antidote for suffering. That Until we reach nibbana, nothing that we do in this worldly reality is going to be permanent anyway. It's going to be sustaining for the rest of my life. If I do this and if I put my attention on this, I'm going to be happy forever. No, it's going to change. That's just understanding everything in samsara is impermanent, subject to change. So the third thing in the sequence is to remember that no matter how pleasant I feel, that's going to change too. But now that shouldn't set up a fear. Okay, so right, so right away I'm, I'm in the future thinking about when is this going to end, instead of being in the present enjoying what I have right this moment, right? So I'm in the future worrying about when, when is this pleasant thing going to end when is this good relationship, or this job, or this car, or whatever. So I'm kind of beating myself up, right, when I do that. Okay, so one of the steps then would be to always consistently monitor myself to make sure I'm in the present moment, because in the present moment, much to the surprise of most people, it's okay. It is always okay. You know, my worry is caused by what I think is going to happen next. My anger is caused by what has already happened. But this moment is fine. Okay? So just remember the sequence. And no matter how sweet it is, it's going to change. And as I was going to say a minute ago, knowing that that's the truth, that shouldn't be scary. What's scary is when the truth doesn't happen. Groundhog Day, for me. Yeah, over and over and over again. That's scary. That's, That's not what I'm used to. That's not what I've seen all my life. I've seen seasons, I've seen changes, I've seen, you know, good weather and bad weather. I've seen good friends and bad friends, good partners and bad partners, good me and bad me. We give impermanence a bad name. Oh, impermanence. I got to deal with that. It's always changing on I me. Mean, it's so, you know, why do I have to do this? Because if we didn't have impermanence, we would be the same as we were when we were two. Okay? So impermanence is the gift that allows us to change so that we won't be stupid all our lives.
3: So we we understand and agree that truth is not absolute, it's relative, and two people can look at the same thing and see it differently. So
0: That's not relative. That's two truths. Each person has their own truth.
3: Okay. So if there are two of us, Mm -hmm. and we have two truths, Mm -hmm. and I acknowledge that... um, there is another one besides the one I see, and I try to see the other truth, but the other person does not acknowledge that, then how do we come to an agreement?
0: You agree that they don't acknowledge it, and and you agree that there are two truths out there that you see. And you're the better for it, because now your truth has been expanded. You know, now I not only see this side of the tree, but I see the side of the tree that the other guy is looking at, too
3: but there's a problem to be solved
0: what's the problem that one is only true one is only true and the other one isn't
3: um well in terms of practical matters in in terms of decisions on how to do something the floor is dirty the floor is not dirty you know shall we vacuum it shall we not vacuum it
0: okay <laughs> so this, this is where it gets deep. If I'm asking the other guy who doesn't see it as dirty to vacuum it, I got a problem. If I think it's dirty and you don't think it's dirty, then I should vacuum it.
3: That's kind of a simplistic uh, example. I They're guess. all
0: simplistic. <laughs> that, that's the easiness of this. They're all simplistic. We, we're the ones that make it difficult. We're the ones that bring hassle to the situation. If I want the floor to be clean because I think it's dirty, then I get the vacuum out and I don't tell you to do it. I do it because I think it's dirty. And I do it with a smile on my face.
3: Okay. <laughs> I, I've thought of a better example. <laughs> okay. if, there, if there are finite resources.
0: Mm-hmm. You mean in the world, like?
3: In the world, in the household, in the sangha, you know, uh, wherever there are are finite resources, Um, if we have two different truths, how do we allocate those resources?
0: You know, whatever truth I offer will not be sufficient because the hypothesis is hypothetical. We, we, need, we need something real. We need two people that have a real problem about something. And that, that real problem is always your truth is not true. My truth is true. You see, and and from that point, we have conflict and confrontation. When we have two grown-ups, that's the optimum. When we have one grown-up, that's the solution. When I see that my truth is upsetting the other person and their truth, I don't insist on, remember what my truth is and remember what your truth is, and remember what your truth is. It's only a point of view. That's all. I'm giving you my opinion. That's what my truth is, my opinion. And the practice tells us or suggests to us that we hold our opinions and our views very lightly and that I don't insist on my point of view, when I see that my point of view is standing in your way. I defer. And of course the mind is saying, why do I have to defer? Why do I have to give up my my point of view? Because I realize that that's all it is. It's all relative. When we begin to get into absolute truth, are there two people with two different points of view? No. They don't exist. So it's all relative. and ain't worth arguing about. It's about having that heart that says, okay, we'll do it your way this time. What's wrong with that? That be fighting all day and being angry with each other all day. I think Hey, let me help you get the vacuum out. I'll do half the floor, you do half the floor, and we'll get this thing knocked out in no time. I'll do the dishes, you dry them, you know. Or we'll set the house on fire, and that way we don't have to clean it up. <laughs> <laughs> but the point is our struggles that we create, because we think that, you know, ours is better than theirs. I am smarter than you, so you should listen to me. I am the mother, I am the, you know, I am the oldest sister, I am the, you know, I'm the college graduate, you know, the whole the whole nine yards, right? We've got to, when, when we talk about letting go, that's what we're talking about. Letting go, not insisting, not wanting to be right all the time. Just, just... The whole thing just disappears. Just. But you've got it. What, we've, what we have to learn is how to be gracious in our letting go. Because, you know, if I throw something at you, that, that, that wounds and that bruises the heart. You know, Here, you take it. Then you, you know, you're always right. <clears throat> yeah. That's not letting go. That's assault. Letting go is saying, okay, we'll do it your way. Not adding, and we did it your way last time too. But yeah. I'm, just <laughs> I'm just saying, right? <laughs> so letting go is letting go. Not being, not being the important one in the house. Not being the big, big dog in the house, the alpha male or alpha female. Gracious, right? Okay. Yes? I
4: am discovering that probably my greatest challenge in my entirety um, is just finding common ground with those closest in my circle. And if I can figure out how to communicate, cooperate with them, I could probably take it. To thousands and thousands of people, and in 10 and 20, 30, 40 years down the road, but it's, um, I'm, I'm noticing as daily I'm changing and I welcome this change. Others want to hold you to the way you were yesterday, a year ago, 10 years ago.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: Um, they may be the same as they were when they were 18, and they may be 70. Mm hmm but I'm different than yesterday.
5: Hmm.
4: And, and this is a challenge in um, like what Melissa was saying. Um, I was tying into what you are saying because it kind of sounded like family to me. And, and you...
0: Yes, Michelle.
4: Michelle, pardon me, Michelle. Um, where you're, you, you would think everyone's equally loving, but harsh Wait, Wait a words. minute, where, where,
0: where did you get that idea? You
4: think, I mean you would, <laughs> you would like you wish <laughs> you
0: you wish you imagine <laughs> yeah you can imagine yeah. okay
4: you would like you know you're
0: imagine uh, all your, the make, people
4: make a request to the universe that in a family unit of you know six or so mm-hmm. that everyone would be equal and thinking each other's equal but that's the biggest challenge i'm finding at this time in my life as i'm developing and i'm going through my precepts and i'm going Working on, on all these are different than yesterday, different than... But um, everybody wants to hold on to the old days. And the mm. old days weren't that great. So, no,
0: true.
4: And this is a daily challenge. And I'll be probably you know still working on this for the next 40 years of my life. <laughs> but the family is important to do that work now. And so if that's what others may be going through as well. Um, it's always... Th- they're holding on to position and material stuff and 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 when you start letting it go how do you respond to this many many um, demands and conditions and you're just sitting quietly and relaxing and there's so many conditions just to be in this circle It's, it's complicated
0: well, the first thing is to remember that a family is just a whole group of strangers that find themselves living in the same house. We, you know, we didn't, you know, there was no authenticity and certification that, that you know, we made this whole family thing up, you know, after we got here.
4: It would be lovely if when you interact with your family, that they would treat you as good as they would treat a stranger. And it's,
0: you oh, know, the, there a, you go, as though, a friend you're in,
4: instead of a family, they, it's, it's the conditions and strings are very complicated with the family. But, you know, you can meet a person for the first time and treat them, you know, yeah, like yeah. A, a king and a queen, yeah, but yeah. family, not so much. It's
0: yeah, there complicated. There you go, right? You... you we first have to dissolve the sacrosanct of, of family. That again, they're just some people that say, <laughs> so, whoa, we you know, where where did they come from? Well, <laughs> you know? And and we and we talk about we, we put this this sting this on people. That they may or may not be able to live up to, you know. You've got to love me more than you love everybody else because I'm family. You've got to do this because I'm dead, and you've got to do this because I'm, you know. And everybody's just people trying to find their way, and that's the struggle. So, as we said to Michelle, it, it's about taking the high road. It, it's about. You know, you seeing something that they can't see and being okay with that. Not asking for what you know that they can't give. Um, There's nothing special about the mundane concept of family. You know, all of the crazy people don't live down the street, some live in the house. (laughs) <laughs>
4: it's it's you know like everyone has in-laws or quote in-laws and it's so different backgrounds different lifestyles different dramas yeah. that everybody you know different family dynamics and then when you join a family um you know things aren't exactly normal because you came from a different way of being raised and then and you're an adult and you know we're all adults so we've experience many things, but sometimes um, in family you feel like you may be the 80-year-old and they're the, you know, the Mm 18-year-old when the ages are the opposite. And it's, you know, with respect, it's the dynamics are complicated and how to, because any words you say are already a trigger. So, um, and then when you don't say anything, and you just sit and be, it seems like that's a trigger. And, um, and when you're living your practice daily, and everyone's important equally, and you're doing your thing, and, it, and it's a trigger. Okay. <laughs> and we know we can't change them, but um, there's still those conditions coming from family. And okay.
0: So what we learn is that there are some people we just can't please no matter what we do, and we stop trying to please them. That's all. <laughs> they're, they're, they're okay, you know, but we want them to think that we're okay too, and that may or may not happen. When you are constantly talking to someone who's not listening to you, you shut up. That's the wise thing to do.
4: I remember you saying, um, "If anything interferes with your practice, then remove it or remove." Uh, and uh, pardon me for not paraphrasing properly, but if anything interferes with your practice, then refrain from it or, or at least identify it. Um, and no, that
0: wasn't me. Was it you? No, I don't. I don't remember saying that. But I do remember saying this. If you're suffering, you're not practicing. That that I do remember saying. So, when we look at our situations and we find ourselves suffering, it's not the situation. It's me. I'm not practicing. And so I've got to look for the way out. I've got I've to see what it is that, not that they're not doing, but that I'm not doing. And sometimes it it's not an easy find, you know. Again, we're talking about dealing with different people and everybody has their point of view about how they should be and how we should be. Or not be. And uh, when it gets too difficult, when it gets too hard, then tell them you love them and wish them well. Let Let them be okay being who they are. And let them know that you love them. Yes.
2: Um, (coughs) Wait,
0: wait, hold on, hold on on a second. Have you ever been married? Are you married now? Okay. I have a a very committed partner. Okay. Uh, You've been married before? Okay. Sometimes... We can't get along with the person we're married to because we're in the same house. But we become good friends once some space is put between us. So that's an example of how it can work. It doesn't always work that way. Some people we hate, and we never speak to them again. We never see them again. But sometimes it works the other way, too. again all of us are not qualified to be together <laughs> but we try to you know keep packing it in right you know but some people <laughs> uh, yes.
2: yeah that that kind of flows into my question of the appropriate distance when uh, clinging occurs. So I'm interested or I, I want to get more real time where my clinging is unskillful right now. And then getting a sense of pushing, yielding, grounding, and having a sense of movement when I'm becoming fixated and pulling something in that I'm not skillful in as well as the release process. Um, so real time, I'm, not, I'm if I'm getting angry and I want to say something, and it's not necessarily my view, it's just a point of view, um and the uh, the other person is insistent on their point of view, and at that point i'm now i'm two energies are clashing and i and i'm not able to soften and let go although i i have I have the capability of letting go, yet i'm engaged in in conflict in that moment, and i'm trying to more refined of what is my responsibility in that moment and then it's too it's too late at that point cuz i'm tensing up and my breathing is being affected and it's not a a view i want to continue to carry that anger mm-hmm. it, but obviously i go around and people have some i still have a sense of some validity to the anger that they, they, where they can push people into doing what they want. Uh, it, it's, it seems to have some ef- effect on the environment around them. And I continually like to soften and create a peaceful ease as well as balancing the fact that we are alive human beings dealing with concerns as well.
0: we each have a responsibility to recognize our own limitations and we find out what our limitations are when we in, when we get involved with relationship we have desires and wishes to to make everybody okay to make people you know be happy and and everybody you know kumbaya get together <laughs> right? but when we Inject ourselves into that dynamic, and it doesn't work. That's telling us that we're not prepared yet. We're not ready yet to, to do this. You know, it's like going past a car wreck and there's a person laying out on the ground with their head all open and split open. We we might call nine one one, but we don't stop and move that guy because we're not a brain surgeon. We're not a sur- we're not ready yet to work with that, even though we'd love to help. It's admitting that we're not qualified. If I keep getting angry at you, then I'm not qualified to work anger management with you. How can I help you when I'm angry? How can I bring more peace to the situation when I'm the one that's upset about what you're saying and what you're not saying, and what you're doing, right? It tells me to back off and let somebody more qualified come in and work that down. I'm not the one. You know, so I can talk to you by telephone, tell you that I love you, miss you, hope you're doing well. I'll call you again soon. But when we get nose to nose, it doesn't work. So I stopped trying to do that because I'm not the one. Yeah. So the... The energy that tells me I'm the one and I'm the only one that can fix this because I know everybody better than everybody else, that's conceit and ego. And that's what I got to work on. And what we find is once we get rid of our own conceit and ego, we go back to that same situation and it's a lot better. Because I was pushing when I didn't think I was pushing. I was insisting when I didn't think I was insisting. I was judging when I didn't think I was judging. But all of the feedback tells us what we're doing. But we don't want to hear it. Because we came there to resurrect, save, to make it better. So I can be the one that's making it worse. They're the ones that's making it worse, not me. I'm here to help. Okay. It's simple, but it's not easy. Because the hardest thing to do when we love and care is to step back and say, I can't do this.
5: I was wondering whether or not this might segue into integrity, which I am curious about. When we step away, are we, is that how we're maintaining our integrity?
0: How are you using that word? Do you mean our boundaries or?
5: I know, I wouldn't use that word with you. <laughs> <laughs> I know better. <laughs> there is no boundary between you and I. <laughs> it is only you and I. But right?
0: that's what you're talking about, is boundary. Exactly.
5: I mean, a part of that is, because um, you bring in ego, which we're trying to... Let go of. Let go of, mm-hmm. right? Ego is not a part of this. <laughs> ego isn't, if ego is, then that's all you're battling, mm-hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. So then, because I don't understand how Buddhists interpret integrity, because I'm thinking, you know, well, my integrity is important because I don't want to look like I'm being run over, right, or being used. You know, how do I, I?
0: Yeah, I heard it. Okay. These are the kinds of conflicts we generate as long as we still have a self to protect. This whole thing is about letting go of the self that needs protecting. Then that self, that, that lack of self, eliminates all disrespect. Right Now, again, be, make sure we understand something here. I'm not talking about letting somebody walk over you, abuse you, you know, physically or, or verbally or mentally. But I'm saying that what it does, it gives us one less thing to fight about. Because now I'm not insisting on my way or that you listen to my point of view. And my practice allows me to listen very clearly to your point of view what you're saying and i don't hear that when i'm waiting my turn to say speak my peace i don't hear that when i'm protecting my boundaries i don't hear that yeah the struggle is always about me learning how much of myself i'm bringing to the fight because you can't fight with one person. See, so if I'm no longer there as a person, there's no fight. You know, there's nothing ungracious about me saying, I hear you, I I understand your point of view, I don't agree, but you you deserve your point of view like I deserve mine. Self and ego don't let you say that. You know, there's, there's, yeah. Yeah. So when you, then you say, wait a minute, let me step back. This, My, my ego's getting in the way here somewhere. Let me, let me go away and come back later, wha- and I'll leave my ego home. <laughs> and I'll come back. Yes, Don. <laughs> we we got him out the chair. He was almost going to come back and take the mic. Come on. Please.
6: The things that I have learned in this room have stood me so very well in so many occasions. And we just... Oh, I thought somebody... Um, and a couple of weeks ago, when uh, I th- my last couple of days have been very difficult. And last night I was filled with volcanic rage. And the only thing that allowed me to keep it suppressed was one of my vows. I vow to avoid harsh speech. Mm-hmm. And those vows, that the, uh, the, uh, the ten precepts, is that right? Or are they just ten the vows? Pa- ten prayer
0: of perfection.
6: I'm sorry. Ten perfections. The ten perfections are so important to me, and, and I refer to at least one of them often. And that one kept my volcanic rage in check. Mm. And a couple of weeks ago, when Panyawati, in her talk, said, How long, how long before we put something down? Mm. And I've come to a new way of putting it in the last few days, and that is getting out of the hamster wheel, hmm. which in my case is filled with smoke because it's going so fast the axles are overheating, the axles are overheating. And, when I, and that's, that's my ego, and it's, whether it's off on some fantasy or whether, whatever it is, I can't see what's outside that hamster wheel, and when I get out of it, low around me surrounding me is the now mm-hmm. is the present it's, to me it 's what Not Hans called this moment is perfect. I take refuge in this moment, but it's but it's outside the hamster wheel, and i've got and what I try to do. Uh, when I'm, in, I'm almost daily walks in the woods with my dogs, and when I'm not seeing every motion, hearing every sound, seeing every form, because I'm in the damn hamster wheel, mm-hmm. and I'll and I'll get out of it, and I, and and then I will see, hear, and touch and feel, and it's the same thing whether it's this. W- whether I have reason to be in a volcanic rage, in my opinion, or whatever. And a, a, another th- uh, one thing I learned in another program that fits in with what we all have been discussing is to look at another person and say, you might be right, mm. and, and get out of the hamster wheel. Mm. Mm. Thank
1: you. I didn't mean to put my hand up during people speaking, because it's very important to me to hear what people are saying. But I'm getting used to, I think it's a, a, a bit of a new system, and I haven't been here for, for a few de- few sessions. I'm asking this from my heart, because um, I just had to ask you before we break up today, I am confused. I need some clarity on this. I do suffer. And I feel that some of my most profound changes for the better, or to become, I should say, more wholesome, more whole, have in my life come out of suffering. So what I'm confused about, and I'm not at all trying to, I respect you immensely, I'm just... I didn't want to walk away today saying, well, I suffer to a certain degree, but I am practicing, so what does it mean if I'm suffering? And you say, well, you're not practicing, if I understood correct. I take things very literal, so I need some help with that.
0: Practice, Practice means that I am developing a skill maybe football, basketball, dharma. My experiences, my involvements let me know to what degree I have honed that skill. So if it were a game, tennis match or a football game and I practice all week, And I say, I'm ready, and I go out on the field, and I lose 52 to nothing. It just means that I've got to practice more. Right? Not that this is overwhelming and it's for me to accept, it means that I've got to practice more. So, as there are people, when we were all ordinary, We were so deadened to our moment-by-moment existence that the only time we learned was when somebody screamed at us, when somebody set fire on us, when somebody said, no, get away, you hurt, I don't want to see you anymore. And we would leave and we would feel very rejected, but we would begin to remember about the experience and we would revamp the way we had relationship based on the trouble we had in that experience. So we were still practicing, but we were just getting better at the game. Okay? When I no longer have to practice is when I can go into the game and operate flawlessly. Leave no wounded, leave no hurt, leave people smiling or not. But to accept the fact that I went in and I brought the wisdom, they're not ready for it. We've got to realize that some people are not ready to hear the truth yet. Some people are not ready to accept assistance yet. Again, this is, as Star was saying, it's just so complicated. But if we can touch each situation very lightly and not leave a bruise. then we're walking on walk. And being able and willing to step back and say, I'm not the one to make this right. You know, I'm not the one. I know because I've tried. And I'm not the one. And to not feel bad about that. You know? Because in every experience in every moment, there is something for us to learn. And that's the question, did I learn what I was supposed to learn in this moment? You know, life, reality is always telling us something. It's always bringing something to us, always bringing answers to us before we even have a question for them. But we have to be still and open, receptive to the message. We have to listen and hear with our heart, not with our heads, but with our hearts. And when we're able to walk in relationship that way, there's a profound education that goes on. Profound, because we're no longer intuition, but intuition. We have gone to the big library. (laughs) Okay. So, yes, Bob? Oh, there, right behind you.
7: I don't know if this applies to this lady here, but. uh,
0: Don't lean back in your chair.
7: What? Leave oh back. okay. Yeah. Don't want you to fall back. <coughs> but um I read that um the number one this kind of pathetic statistic here, the number one deathbed regret is having lived the life that others wanted them to live rather than the life they wanted to live. Mm-hmm. <coughs> okay. Thank Which, you. Uh, Quickly here Reminds me of the first uh, Couple sentences of David Copperfield okay. It goes like this I was born Whether To live or Excuse me Whether to be the hero Of my own life Or whether That others Should take that station In my life Thank you.
8: And I've been continuously um you know contemplate about what is this present moment. We constantly, you know, come to a present moment. So I've been again listening to Akatoli and Muji or Alan Watts or whatever that going through with and then reflecting on myself in practicing back to present moment, just like uh, Thich Nhat Hanh always talking about, uh, especially in the living Buddha and living Christ, he was talking about practicing right now at this moment with a heart, not with a brain. So now I realize that dimension that we're talking about in a present moment is um, not only like ego personality and all that, aside from that, I think it's this brain quality, thinking quality, all these things, when it cease to be there, and then coming to the sense perception and the heart perception, at any moment that I come back to that moment, if I leave the brain, if there's no thoughts, I feel my heart and I'm not sick or just no one is you know beating me or whatever and then somehow the sense of this primordial uh, sense of being very uh, peaceful and wholesome and sort of away from all these thoughts. So uh, more and more I'm just constantly questioning, uh, where is my practice? Sometimes it looks like, oh, I'm pretty good until something bothers me. And then in a moment that something bothers me that I'm, I realize it's in the head quality. So, so that, that distinction of this dif- different, totally different eternal dimension that connected with the consciousness itself, not our own, because as soon as we talk about it and think about it, we're in that dimension. But then we're not thinking about it, we, then we feel. So this very indescribable uh, feeling of being not you know, doing anything. So I just discovering again and again. Uh, this is about this being that can't say what it is. But, yeah.
6: yeah. I'm calling that allowing myself to be dissolved into the oneness of being.
0: Absolutely. Okay. That's.
6: Well, everyone's got it, right?
0: Okay. <laughs> no, every everyone's got. What they think it is, and that's, and that's and that's all we can have. And carry that out with you, and in all your relationships and in all your moments, carry it with you. You know, like make sure it's in your wallet. <laughs> and and and, the, and I think the biggest one of the biggest requirements is intent. If if we go into each situation with the intent to do no harm then nine times out of 10, we're not going to do any harm. So going with the intent of loving and being present and being of assistance, not telling other people what to do, but being of assistance so that they can find their own way, just like you were allowed to find your way. May all beings be liberated from suffering. May we be well, may we be happy, may we be peaceful. Thank you so much for your input and your wisdom.